Welcome everyone to So Many Wrong Notes. I'm Jeanette Fang. Yeah, and I'm Francis Yoon. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. I mean, it doesn't quite work because I don't have an um, androgynous name. I guess not. Alright. Yeah. Yeah, we'll redo it. <laughs> well- I mean, it does work, but it doesn't, it doesn't work. So, um... Welcome back, everybody. We're back to So Many Wrong Notes. I'm Francis Yoon. And I'm Jeanette Fang. And we're really happy to be back. It's a long time coming. Yes. And so we have a lot of catching up to do. So I think, Jeanette, you had an idea of how to do that. Yes. And um, first off, I had alluded to a story that I wanted to tell you about the ketchup factor. The ketchup factor? Yeah. When I was 15... I was taking a prep class for the SATs. So it was a summer prep class and I was late because Mm -hmm. of the piano competition. So I showed up late and this guy decided to nickname me Ketchup. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then I I didn't get it. I was like, is this is this funny? Because, okay, that's great. So I'm Ketchup now. And then some girls later told me he had a crush on me. And that's why he called me Ketchup. (laughs) So anyways... It's not, it's, I'm kind of rude into telling, but that's my story about catching up. I think that's great. Okay. <laughs> well, yes, we thought maybe, like, I, I have a billion questions to ask Francis, because the last time we talked um, has been the last time you guys actually heard an episode, which I think was the holiday questions episode. Yeah. Something like that. Something and, like that. And uh, that's, the, a lot has happened for both of us. That's um, true. So I kind of want to hear what's going on with you, especially since you've graduated Juilliard now. I have. I've graduated Juilliard now. And you've moved to the land of Indiana? I have moved to landlocked Indiana. And where are you now? So where am I now? I am in rural Indiana in the woods in a boarding school called the La Lumiere School, where I'm the music teacher. So, as well as a lot of other hats, right? Uh, as well as some other hats. Mostly, it's like music director slash music teacher. Cool. So, that is the job. I've got a full-time job now. I'm a grown-up, just like you. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Let's not go nuts here. But I was hoping you'd say the name of where you are, you are the town, or the city. Oh, it is Laporte, Indiana. Okay, so uh, as a true crime enthusiast, I don't know if listeners know this, but Laporte, Indiana is the home of the famous female serial killer, Belle Gunnis. Which, Francis, did you know about that when you moved there? I had no idea about that at all. But you know what? Seeing the town, I believe it. Really? I believe a serial killer could live here. Is it because it's like there's no traffic, like Garth Neal kind of no traffic lights? and? Yeah. I mean, look, I'm out on on a 190-acre campus, which is owned by the school. Uh So it's sort of like in the middle of nowhere. The actual town of Laporte is like 20, 25 minutes away from where we are. We're just in Laporte County. Oh. So where I am, it's very dark. It's very rural. Coming from New York, you know what the biggest adjustment is for me? Internet. No, no. It's the fact that I have to drive like half an hour if I want to like 
pick up ice cream or something. You oh, boo-hoo. You only it's, drive half an hour. <laughs> I, nothing is close. I drive an hour, okay? Fine. Thus is our realities. Our realities are that uh, jobs in music require some sacrifices, like getting um, ice cream when you want it. Exactly right. <laughs> but, okay, so actually what you just described is very, very creepy because Belgunis would lure men to her big farm and uh, kill them with, like, Lonely Hearts kind of kind of strategy. She'd be like, Ooh. single woman who owns her own farm seeks a man who wants an estate as well as a working woman who is very loving. Whoa. She was like the original Black Widow. She would take out life insurance policies on these guys and kill them. That is insane. Yeah. But that's not the, the main question. This is just establishing where you are now and the yeah. fact that you've graduated a very prestigious program and now you have a job that... Sounds prestigious because La Lumiere sounds very hoity-toity. And my first question actually is sort of a two-parter. Okay. So you spent two years at Juilliard, am I correct? That is correct. And you are doing the historical performance program? That is also correct. Wow. I'm on the ball. So, of your time at Juilliard, please give us your best and worst thing about it. Wow. Okay. That's actually a harder question than you would think. I actually knew it would be really hard. Yeah, because... Yeah, it's hard to figure out the best and worst thing of anything. Actually, the worst thing is pretty easy for me Okay. to pick out. Let's start with the worst. It's yeah. that the worst moment at Juilliard for me is actually pretty bad because it's now captured on YouTube and available for people mm. to look at. Oh, that's the worst. I, I know. So, my grandmother had passed away, mm. and the next day, for some reason, I just couldn't get out of playing a master class. And so, I trekked my way out there after my grandmother died that next morning to play this master class where, you know, I just couldn't play. I played like shit. Of course you did. Yeah. And I mean, anyone would play like Exactly. Shit. Yeah, it was just one of those moments. Yeah. But, of course, nobody there had any context. I mean, some people knew, but obviously, like, the guy giving the master class didn't know. Right. You know, and I'm just there, and I just could barely function. Mm. And all I wanted was that master class to be over. And once the master class was over, it was even worse, because if you play a master class at Juilliard, there are lots of fans, quote-unquote, that come up to you and talk to you and you of course all I want to do is to just go away right but everybody is just asking questions and blah 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 and I'm happy to make small talk like that any other time except that day and right. so I remember just escaping going down the elevator finally escaping all these people and just breaking down oh no like I just broke down and that is my worst Juilliard moment and it was made worse two or three months later when I saw <laughs> on like one of the Juilliard social media things, hey, come check out this clip of this masterclass. 
and God. it's me at that moment. And I still haven't been able to watch it, but... Well, can you ask them to take it down, extenuating circumstances, you know? I mean, I guess, I don't know, it's been like already half a year. But I mean, you have total right to just be like, hey, this is actually a really tough thing for me to have out there because of these personal details. Yeah. I'll check that out. That's a, I, That never occurred to me. Oh, you it, always have the right, I would think. I would think, but I don't know. When you're at Juilliard, sometimes I feel like you, you cede control of what stuff they put up. Right. Well, even if you didn't have the control, like they made you sign a waiver as a student yeah. or whatever, you still have the right as a... When, when, when somebody dies in your family, you mm-hmm. I think that trumps that stupid waiver i think so too and you know what that experience taught me a lot and we're gonna have an episode about juilliard soon yes because we're both alumni yeah and i think that's when i want to talk more about this worst experience um, Mm -hmm. and what it taught me but yeah that's exactly and so that's uh that's my worst experience i think the best experience really isn't like one experience I think it's, um, you're in this intense program and it's focused on chamber music, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's the relationships that you develop with your fellow students. Yeah. Right? And the working together and sort of like, it's such a cliche, but the band of brothers kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? We both, we all went through the same shit and we know. And so yeah. that how close we get from that so i think the best thing believe it or not saying this is coming from a uh anti-social introvert is the people the people i met there you bring up a great point yeah like having a shared experience that may or may not be negative but is very um, impactful it brings people closer together yeah yeah it's like ptsd (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's not at all like that. Uh, that was completely wrong. I'm sorry. No, um, no, no. It's fine because I keep referring to it as Juilliard trauma, even though it wasn't very traumatic. You know. But it's a c- accumulation. It's like a sort of shell shocked feeling. Exactly. <laughs> Which we can get into later. I Definitely. mean, not to throw smear on anything because no, we all just have our individual experiences. That's right. Um. Well, that was actually a really good answer. Oh. So, Jeanette, you asked me a question. Let me ask you a question. Okay, I guess that's how it works. (laughs) So, I don't even remember when we started this podcast, but how? what's one thing that has happened in your life that you never expected would happen when we started this podcast? I never expected it would happen. Interesting. Well... I'll say this. I was never the type of person to have like a long-term plan about where I perceive my life to take me. Mm-hmm. Like I, d- I didn't have like a, oh, by five years, I'll be married. Oh, by 10 years, I'll have a family and I'll be living here and I'll be doing this. I mean, in a way, I didn't have a certain expectation of how my life should unfold, mm-hmm. I guess, in a specific way. But I will say that what was unexpected for me was, and this is annoying to kind of mention, but the relationship overhaul, I guess. Yeah. Which was, which happened to me 
during this time that we haven't spoken. Exactly. Tell us more about that. What is this relationship overhaul? Well, when when Francis and I met, when you and I met, I was in a long term relationship, and we actually met through my boyfriend at the time. Yeah. Um, because you were his friend first, right?、Mm-hmm. And it was a relationship that、um, I guess is about eight years.、Mm-hmm. For so it was just kind of something that became very part of my life. But over the years, you've what's you kind of watched a lot of it,、mm-hmm. and、uh, finally over the holidays we broke up, and、uh, I was sort of it's funny how this works, right? Like I was. Depressed about the fact that I'm nearing my mid thirties. I'm thirty four, and、uh, I am all of a sudden at square one again,、mm-hmm. which is kind of I think a, a a problem a lot of us might face is that we kind of go through something through inertia and、mm-hmm. then are scared to pull the plug because of the fact that we think. And I guess this is where the answer to your question comes in is. I thought at this point I would not have to do this again.、Mm-hmm. I didn't know what starting at square one meant, but actually,、um, I also didn't expect to meet somebody. In the meantime, while I was trying to embrace my singleness and like just like get on with my life, to meet somebody that was a really wonderful match, actually,、yeah. and actually start thinking about future,、yeah. which is. So that that's another thing is I didn't expect one of those cliches people say about、mm-hmm. um, love to happen to me because、yeah. I've always been somebody who's thought you don't actually find the one for you 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 kind of round up to the one、mm-hmm. sort of to quote Dan Savage who I I really respect and like a lot yeah but anyways and, I also yes no no I was just gonna say that this is probably the the most relaxed and like at ease I've ever seen you. Oh really? Yeah. Huh. So. Oh good. <laughs> well, I hope it doesn't come across as like slow moving energy. No. no, no, not at all. But I'm sorry I cut you off. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say、um, the other thing I didn't expect was to actually、uh, buy a house. That's right.、Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm truly an adult now. <laughs> you are. You are the adult. Oh my god! I made so many mistakes in the process too. Oh, like, but that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I am a proud owner of a house now. Yeah, it's great to own something. Well, I'm just really happy that you have this new relationship. Thank you. You bought this house, and which you have to see. Which I have <laughs> to see, and yeah, where your life is headed because, you know, I don't, I didn't think when we started this podcast that, at this point. You'd be, you'd be a homeowner. Yeah. You know. <laughs> On a musician's salary. Exactly.、So. Well, I will say that the house was very inexpensive. Hey, it doesn't matter. You own the house. Yeah. Anyway. There's a reason. You know what's funny? It's like you go through life with the habits of your parents, and I've gone through life being very frugal because my parents have taught me to be very frugal. Uh huh. But I'd like to think, and and one thing that I have noticed is that. While my parents are very frugal, they're not greedy. Like、yeah. they taught me not to be greedy in that way. I'm very thankful for that、mm-hmm. because I've seen a lot of kids who've sort of inherited that too. And 
I started thinking like, yeah, I've always had this like importance of saving things, saving money over the years Mm -hmm. and like hustling my ass off to save money. What, what is that money for just sitting in my account or what is the best investment for it? And Mm -hmm. that's, um, that's a house. It's a house. And maybe we can have a future episode on that because now I finally have a full-time job. Yeah. And so maybe I can start saving. But uh, what's yeah. your next question for me, Jeanette? This is perfect, actually, because mm-hmm. my next question for you is for you to tell us more about your new job, but also give us two things that you love about it. Two things that I love about it. Okay. So let's start with the easy part of the question, which is my new job. I am the music teacher and music director of the La Lumiere School, like I said before which is a boarding high school in the woods of Indiana. And I'm currently teaching music appreciation, uh, music theory, choir, and jazz band, of all things. What? Yep. Jazz band? Jazz band. Oh, that's crazy. I know. It's a little crazy, but, you know. Are you all hip now? You're a cool cat. (laughs) (laughs) You scan around like, ooh. You want to know something funny is my cat started meowing as soon as I said cool cat. That's hilarious. (laughs) So two things that I love about this job is this this is going to make me sound like an arrogant jerk, but I don't care. Oh, (laughs) you would never sound like an arrogant jerk. The first thing is that I'm in charge of the music department. Like, it's my baby. Like, I feel like it's the first time in my life where I'm free to make decisions and pursue sort of my vision. Yeah. Right? For where I think music can go, which is one of the reasons why I took the job, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's that kind of feeling of... Again, when you're in Juilliard, you kind of... How do I say this? You have to do what they tell you to do, yeah. right? And then other jobs before where I was adjunct or, you know, part-time or whatever, um, you have to toe the line, right? Right, because you know you're temporary. Exactly. And this time, I, it's the freedom to create my line, right? And create what I think the vision is. There's right. nothing arrogant about that. That's yeah. sort of everything to love about something. The, the creative flexibility, the autonomy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that a lot of people don't get. Yeah. They crave. Exactly. And th- I guess really the second part that I love most about the job really is the students. I mean, mm. it's a whole bunch of teenagers and they're... <laughs> They're good kids, and they can be a pain in the ass, but, you know, they're good kids. Uh, Most of them hate music, but, you know, that's part of the challenge of the job. Do they hate cool cat jazz, though? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what it is? It's that the biggest task for me, I think, in this year and hopefully in many more years to come, Mm-hmm. is changing the culture around music. Music wasn't ve- very valued before yeah. I got here, and it's still not very valued, but I think 
it's something that I can change and it's something that I'm excited to change and see how I can change it. So yeah, those are the two things. Let that alone, is exciting, actually. Yeah, I could see you making a lot of difference for yeah, these I kids. Hope, I hope so. But I didn't mention the best part, which is working at a boarding school also means the free perk of uh, free housing. Ooh, yes. And, and you have a townhouse now. Yeah, they gave me a three-bedroom townhouse. I didn't know that was a perk of working at a boarding school. Well, it can be. I guess be. they have to. I mean, not all the faculty live on campus, but I wanted to live on campus because I didn't yeah. want to pay rent. Yeah. I don't pay any utilities. I don't pay electricity. What? No. I don't pay for internet. I barely awesome. pay for food because I can eat in the dining hall. Is it food good? Like, is it okay? The food is good for... It's, I say this with love, but it's good white people food. It's probably better than Juilliard food. It is. <laughs> It's definitely better than food. So, yeah. I think so far, so good. That's awesome. Wait, I guess the downside to that, you know, I'm Asian, I have to look at negatives, um, is that <laughs> <laughs> you you are living in close proximity to uh, the campus, or you're on campus. Yeah. So you have to be the emergency contact. Well, you have to do dorm duty. That's really, and I don't mind it. It's the, yeah. it's my least favorite part of the job, but it's not so bad. It's just annoying. I thought you were out of all my friends, you'd be the one that's most okay with dorm duty. <laughs> this is a question I ask myself every night. Of my catalog of friends, who would be okay with being a residential advisor? It's annoying as hell because it's a whole bunch of teenage boys who are, you know, full of energy when they should be going to bed. Yeah, so they have a curfew and you have to enforce it? Like you exactly. go around with a flashlight and... Well, I don't go around with a flashlight, but lights out is at 10.30. Oh my god, it's so early. Well, How old you know, are these boys? They're like 15, 16. As young as 14. Okay. So it's a fairly narrow range. Yeah, it's high school. 14 to 18, really. So in a way, that's predictable. Exactly, so... Yeah. I knew what to expect. It's not my favorite part of the job, but I can do it. Yeah. Um, and but, man, I would think that the music appreciation class for 14 to 18 year old boys. Well, it's not. It's a music. co-ed school, by the way. Oh, oh it's not I got that boys. completely yeah. wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a co-ed okay. school. But it's the boys' but, dormitory. That but you're when I'm, yeah, uh, because I am a male faculty member, I am only assigned to male dorms. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay, excellent answer to my question. Yeah, so I guess I should ask you my question. Okay. This is kind of a cliche question, but I feel okay asking you this. Because I've just revealed how cliche I am. Exactly. <laughs> Which is... What's something you've done in the past year that you're really proud of? Let's, you know what, let's limit this to professional accomplishment. Because you already told us <laughs> about your huge personal accomplishment of buying a house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. easy. It's always easy to default to personal. Yeah. Because when you talk about professional, you kind of sound like a dick. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's true. You it's just true. did that yourself. I know. I always default to the... Uh, the philosophy of undersell and overdeliver. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think one thing that I am 
proud of and i this just comes to mind it's not like you know the best or whatever Mm -hmm. but it just comes to mind because it's the most recent thing i felt pretty good about but keep in mind i never feel good about piano weekend playing wise yeah but piano weekend sort of to use your phrasing is my baby it's a reoccurring series in the summer festival that is for pianists and uh i will do the programming and invite the pianists and get everyone together do the rehearsals and plan everything um and i remember my first year i was just kind of over ambitious about it mm-hmm. um and kind of a flutter with all the things that i didn't quite know was going to happen yeah all the personalities and kind of getting that all together but i think by this year which is i think my third year of doing piano weekend uh our fourth year i think it's four Jeanette. i think it might be four yeah and we had a great group of pianists this year because it's a chance for me to invite my friends who i think would be really great with certain repertoire or like good personality mix together. yeah and this year we're celebrating women in music mm-hmm. sort of on can you hear my cat though? yeah i can hear sometimes hear your cat but it's great pathetic meows okay so uh <laughs> this year we're concentrating on women the unsung heroes of music history the ones who have been ignored unjustly throughout time and it kind of worked out that i had all female pianists this year it wasn't like deliberately so but once i realized that the ones i wanted to ask would mostly female i kind of went with that Mm -hmm. um and they all turned out to be chinese pianists (laughs) (laughs) so it was just really really fun because it was like oh yeah let's just lead into that stereotype and like showcase four very different pianists it was just so much fun because they were just so much fun to be around that's great one of them ching jiang is a recent mother of a two-month-old and she had to like run back and forth between rehearsals (laughs) to feed her baby oh in a way i felt proud of this year because i had more of a handle on how to organize it Mm-hmm. And I feel like everyone had a great time. And, That's great. Um, and also, I got a lot of good feedback about the programming. Like, I think I've un- I've learned from the years to program a mix of music that is uh, enjoyable for the audience as well, but mm-hmm. also is something that is sort of challenging. But it kind of goes in a thematic way that is satisfying um yeah and because it is a project that is completely on my own i felt very responsible for whether or not it would succeed Um, and it did i mean not that it didn't before but you feel like i feel like this one was was um special yeah maybe because of the pianist and maybe because of the themes that i was working with Mm -hmm. i mean i did a talk on Amy Beach for the pre-concert lecture mm-hmm. and it was really uh, fun to discover about this composer that not a lot of people know much about and she was actually the I mean she was an icon like she was wait what's the word for it she was a pioneer mm-hmm. um, in so many ways and her music like have you heard Amy Beach before or do you I, know of her? I know of her, but I really... I'm sure I've heard some of her pieces, but I can't say that I know her music at all. I will say this. Uh, it definitely defies your expectation of a woman composing in the 1800s. Hmm. Um, at least for me, and, and 
because she's just it's like list it's wow. like over the top list i mean That's that great. suite for two pianos is like so dramatically virtuoso <laughs> <laughs> like like to the point where you're like holy crap like this is so much satisfying like piano sound like you it's it's very muscular Great. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's so good. it was it was fun. Yeah. I don't know if that actually satisfactorily answered your question. That does answer went, my question actually. I went off. That's no, 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 no. That's great. Now, my last question unfortunately has more to do with Juilliard. I'm sorry. Okay. Um and the question is is has Juilliard changed how you approach certain things? And what I mean is maybe psychologically are habitual like behavioral things um even through negative reinforcement i guess our negative examples like has julia changed your habits of thinking or working huh is that too vague no okay but that's another tough question i know i'm sorry it's fine i love tough questions but this is my hmm let's delay so that i can pick an answer (laughs) Um, part of the answer has to do with the fact that I went to Juilliard as a grown-up. Yeah, unlike I, me. Yeah, I was a I was in my thirties, so I think that gave me an advantage of being in that environment. Right. In that. It definitely, definitely did. Yeah, yeah. That advantage being that I was kind of sure more sure of myself and what I'm good at I think what really cemented itself while I was at Juilliard was the importance of self-care because when I was at Michigan you and I both um, I would do anything and everything just to be busy saying yes we were yes men yeah and I think I learned through that experience the importance of saying no and the importance of taking time for myself. Right. And so I kind of put that into practice at Juilliard. Like, there were some exceptions, but everybody knew that Sundays I just was not coming in. Like, Sundays was my day, right? Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I sat, I guess... This is a long-winded way of saying what Juilliard taught me is the importance of, believe it or not, of relaxation, of taking, of not feeling guilty for taking time for yourself. Right. That's huge. Yeah. Which is weird because the program is so intense and they keep you so freaking busy. Right. That. That that's what I learned. You have to take time for yourself. Well, in a way, it showed you that it was mandatory to have time for yourself. Exactly. I mean, for your sanity's sake. Yeah. So. Um, awesome. Yeah, I guess is that a good answer? I don't know. It is because it it taught you boundaries. Yeah. Through yeah. through probably immersion of like craziness. Mm-hmm. Excellent so, answer. Okay, yes. Let me ask you my last question. Mm. You ready? No, but go ahead. 
It's very simple. <laughs> Are you satisfied? Oh my god, Francis. What? Am I satisfied? Are you satisfied? No. I'm not satisfied. I'm never satisfied. Why is that? Uh, because I don't actually expect to be satisfied. Because I guess because my life is music. And uh, if I'm satisfied with music, uh, then I'm never going to be hungry to get better. So and I've never let myself expect satisfaction. I will always strive for it, but uh -huh. I always know it's never going to happen. At least for me, I'm like very... Um, I'm always chagrined. <laughs> Put it that way. I'm always chagrined and I'm always trying to uh, get to the point where I'm less chagrined. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no, this is why I, I think I asked that question because I don't think I'm ever satisfied. Right. And it came from recently. We just had parents weekend here at my school. Oh. And so okay. we gave, so e so it was a little concert that my jazz band and choir gave, right? Uh-huh. And they, the kids did fine, but there were some administrative things that should not have happened, um, mm. which I'm not going to get into. Right. And I was very dissatisfied with that. And the first thing I did after that experience was over was go to a superior and start hashing out how to fix these problems. For the next Very time mature around. response, yeah. And the response from that administrator was, hold on a minute, wait, what you did was just great. And and it was it was fine and it worked really well and it was a great part of the weekend. Right. And I'm thinking, Wow, this is the standard for them. <laughs> and they're satisfied. And while I'm like, wait a minute, so many things went wrong. That shouldn't right. have gone wrong with planning yeah. and with with good thinking, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so it's funny to me that my first mode is to go, okay, this was wrong, this was wrong, and this was wrong. And their first mode is, oh, this was great. How lovely. Right. And so That's why they hired you. I guess. They hired yeah. someone new to do that. Yeah. I mean. But I'm glad to hear that you feel that too. But I'm also wondering, is that a good thing to feel? To never be satisfied with something. I think it's just something that you kind of accept as a reality because it forces you to find ways to be better. I mean, obviously, if you're never satisfied in every aspect of your life, then that's hard to live with. Mm -hmm. um, you can't sustain that. But I think professionally, artistically, um, it's a certain way of looking at what you expect especially in what you're describing in a work environment to not be satisfied but in a productive way like you did several important things which was you took solutions first like you actually worked out what could be better first mm -hmm. you didn't just voice negativity without an actual fix to the problem um, and one thing that you'll see in people who have worked in a position for a while is that they will learn to ignore certain things or give up trying mm -hmm. because they think that rocking the boat is worse or they've, you know, things haven't been fixed to their satisfaction or blah, blah, blah. And that creates like a bad cycle of just inaction. 
So, mm -hmm. which is why the hiring of new people is so important. That's why your voice is so appreciated, which is why he reacted that way. It's great. That's the reaction you want, and that's the voice he was looking for by hiring you. Um, and I think in our work, our dissatisfaction should always be followed with the knowledge that you can fix it. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't have that dependability or trust, that's what creates a lot of problems because not having a solution to a problem is bound to bring you down, right? Yeah. And I think that's the problem with being dissatisfied. Mm. It's like when you have external sources dissatisfied with you and you don't know how to fix it, mm -hmm. that, that, that's sort of like powerless passiveness. Is, it's difficult, but I think that, you know, if you always know that you can fix the problems that are bothering you, you will never feel unhappy with your dissatisfaction. That might be a weird statement to make, but it's something that, I mean, I'm very happy even so I know I'm not up to par mm -hmm. because I think I can get there eventually or I think I'm on the right path or I enjoy the process of doing it because I it's clear to me what I should be doing, I guess. Yeah. Well, there's something that... that you just said that I think is kind of brilliant, which is satisfaction and happiness have nothing to do with each other. Mm. You can be ha happy but still be dissatisfied. Because the happiness is coming from doing the work right. to getting satisfied. Does that make sense? Yes. That's a great way to distill it down. Thank yeah. you, Francis. My I wasn't pleasure. even going there, but like, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you I, said it, my friend. You I said know. it. <laughs> but I need you to actually make it wise, <laughs> which is why we work. Um, yeah, I, 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 um, I, I think if you wait till you're satisfied, you'll never get there. It's like the same. It's like that old story of like, oh, money can't buy happiness because mm -hmm. you'll get money. But where's your happiness? Yeah. Like, satisfaction is kind of a depressing thing to get to because then we're, we're, we're made to work. We're made to. I don't know. I feel like we're made to work. I feel like I'm made to work because we're happiest when we're busy and yeah. doing something that we feel is productive. Uh, impactful or whatever it's just something that we're happy is doing uh after performance i'm always depressed because i'm like shit i that that's over with mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah wow so i didn't expect us to get to a juicy nugget well it's always good to end with a nugget right happiness <laughs> has nothing to do with satisfaction so let's end with our obsession what are you obsessed with Jeanette? Ooh. Okay, I don't often read for fun anymore. That's sad. I know. It's something that I would love to get back into doing. Um, so I've started compiling like a book list of mm -hmm. what I, I kind of want to do. And I'm, I'm letting go of feeling guilty about reading mysteries and uh, thrillers. Because I love Patricia Highsmith. Yeah. But I felt kind of guilty about it. Why? Know? I love Patricia Highsmith. She's so brilliant. Have you read um, all the Ripley books? No, I've only read The Talented Mr. Ripley. Oh, you should read so, all of them. How many are there now? There are five. Five? Okay. The last one was... kind of sucks. Oh, that's disappointing. Well, the last ones always suck, though. Yeah. Like, the last season of 24 sucked. Oh. I just get so tired. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to know you love Patricia Highsmith. Because, in a way, Francis and I actually had our first meaningful conversation about books. Yeah. And Panera Bread. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, I've, I've, look, 
I'm horrible at remembering specific conversations. I know we've had many discussions about books. I talk about you all the time with Jane Austen, so. <laughs> That's okay. Um, it's just we'll we'll establish here that I obviously remember more things about you than you remember about us. So I clearly valued a relationship more. That's all right. I understand. <laughs> oh God, that you was good all... Chinese mom guilt right there. <laughs> No, no, shame on me. Shame on me for admitting that. <laughs> Anyways, um, no, I, I remember very weird things, like yeah. weird, inconsequential things. But we were talking about books we loved. That, that's a tangent. So basically, I wanted to mention the book that has caused me to go on a sort of uh, rabbit hole because mm-hmm. I can always judge my obsessions from my rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knows The Handmaid's Tale, right? Mm-hmm. So The Handmaid's Tale... Um, which is an excellent series on television that I cannot continue watching because it is so slow and so well done, but so unenjoyable to me mm-hmm. <laughs> because it is so hard to watch. It is so like emotionally wrenching. Mm-hmm. But I remember the book, not very well, but Margaret Atwood just published The Testaments, which is a sequel to The Handmaid's Tale mm-hmm. many years after the fact. And it's brilliant. I mean, I had it on audiobook my entire trip to Massachusetts and back. And what I was doing was I was so hooked on it that I was listening to it in the shower. Wow. Um, I was taking it with me. Like, you know, there's one bathroom in this guest house I was staying at. And I remember coming down one morning and uh, one of the guys who was staying in the room across, he came down and he was like, I really enjoyed that book you're listening to. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, you heard it? <laughs> Like, that's how thin the walls were. Oh, it was my God. mortifying. But he yeah. was like, no, 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 don't apologize. I really enjoyed it because it's really good. <laughs> I should mention that you were just in Massachusetts to play a concert. So that's why. Oh, yes. Oh, I probably should show the festival because they were lovely. Um, might as well show other people's things, right? Yeah. Antenna Cloud Farm. Uh, it's now in their fifth year running, I think. And um, it reminded me of Garth Neal in a lot of ways because it's set on a beautiful rural farm. Mm-hmm. It's run by... Michi Wianko and Judge Greenstein. Um, they're just absolutely lovely people, and they grow everything on their farm. Everything is self-sustainable. They throw these two concerts per weekend. Um, I think it's sort of varied their season, and they pick a lot of different type of music. So I was there with this violinist, Jennifer Curtis, um, and it was a lot of fun. It was very Garth Newell-y, but it was good to get out of Garth Yeah, Newell. that's great. And you listened to The Testament by Margaret Atwood. If you guys like The Handmaid's Tale, you guys should all check out The Testaments because it's it's much more action-packed and uh, it really gets into a lot. Hmm. So. Great. Cool. What's your obsession? So here? my obsession is less literary than yours for once, right? <gasps> is it paprika? It is not paprika, although it is food-related. So <laughs> I discovered a YouTube series by uh, Bon Appetit magazine <gasps> called Gourmet Mates. And oh. so it's this like professional pastry chef who who's tasked with like making gourmet versions of like popular snacks. Like um, I know this series. I yeah. love this series. It's She's so, so good. good. She's so good. So like yes. she Hot Pockets just came out. Uh, I watched Starburst and Pocky. Uh, Pocky, yeah, Pocky was great. Um, so yeah, it's just I'm so fascinated watching this, watching her just solve these these problems. Yeah. And just 
trying to like make a high higher quality or I don't know just trying to recreate the flavors right because she uh, dissects it like she yeah. like uh, really tries to figure out the different steps and you can see the failures as well as the successes exactly like, it's so yeah do you remember the Kit Kat one uh, you know I haven't gotten to Kit Kat yet I, I'm gonna I just discovered this series and I've just watched maybe three or four episodes. Um, she's also very engaged, like likable. She yeah. just seems like a cool chick. Exactly, and yeah. it's just yeah. I can't believe I know your uh, your obsession. I know that's great. I'm very proud of myself. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, check it out on YouTube. Gourmet makes. Do you know who also loves that series? Who? Um, Eugene Lee Yang from the Try Guys. Oh, cool. Do you know who he is? Yeah, I know who he is. I know who the Try okay. Guys are. Yeah, come on. Okay. Who do you I think know, I, I am? Don't know. Well, see, I just watch random videos. I don't know if they're, like, a big deal or not. I mean, I feel like it's, like, maybe a big deal for a segment of population that you might not be part of, but... Well... Or okay. me. I'm definitely not part of that population, <laughs> but... Anyways. Anyways. Um, cool. It Thanks. was good to catch up. It was good to catch up. Thanks for listening. More episodes to come. It's been a while, but we have more episodes to come, so please listen. Tell yes. us what you think about episodes... You would like to hear or episodes we've done at so many wrongnotes.com. Uh, you can find us at our Facebook page. <laughs> okay, do you, can I can I do this outro actually? Yes, you can. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I was like, who's gonna wait? <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. With my facial expressions now. It was that <laughs> face that got me. You you were like giving me this face of like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, right I'm, now? I'm trying. I'm trying hard not to interrupt you <laughs> because like I know this is an issue. But... No, no, no. It was perfectly fine. It was just it's so fucking funny that look. Anyway, you do it. Go do it. Um. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I we're we're sorry about this long gap, but we promise you we have a lot of interesting topics that are coming forth. Um, if you guys want to keep in touch, please check us out on our Facebook page, which is so many wrong notes at Facebook, and also give us a shout out, leave us a review on iTunes, always appreciated. Ratings as well, five stars only. We don't <laughs> take less than five stars. No, I mean just any any feedback would be appreciated. Subscribe to us and stay tuned for more episodes. Yeah. Oh yes, um, and also we have a website if you want to check out all of our back catalog. So that's so many wrongnotes.com. Great. I didn't do that any better than you. I'm sorry. It was more just the leaving the comments on so many wrong notes. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> well, I regretted saying that as soon as I said it. <laughs>